Hello, friends, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Joe Webb, and this is a podcast for spiritual exiles, for all of us who are looking for faith and spirituality beyond the confines and the walls and the fences of institutional religion. If you're keeping score at home, this is episode number 38. It is the 13th episode of season two, Lucky 13. And I've got some really big news to share with you all. Um, Been teasing this for a while now, uh, but we have some new folks that are officially joining the Accidental Tomatoes content team. And in this episode, you're going to get to meet all of them. So first of all, And you've heard that this was coming. I want to welcome Brandon Wood on board as our new co-host and production engineer and um, audio mystic wizard extraordinaire. Um, Brandon was with us on episode number 33 and comes to us from his own very successful podcast, Hey Mom, Everything's All Right, where he just wrapped things up. So welcome, Brandon to the Accidental Tomatoes co-hosting desk. Yeah, I'm so excited, Joe. Um, thank you so much for uh, bringing me on to Accidental Tomatoes uh, platform. And um, I just love how both of our uh, hearts are in the same direction and talking about this world and for spiritual exiles. I just love what you're doing. I'm really excited to join uh, to join you. Um, so yeah, and and this episode I'm excited because we're going to meet the rest of the the new content creators. Uh, and if you've been following the podcast for a while, they're all will be familiar to you. We have Jenny uh, Williams who is doing some really interesting work in the area of building faith communities around justice issues. We have Brad Davis who is advocating for a renewed grassroots movement of dignity and justice in the southern West Virginia coal fields. And Heather Moore. Uh, who was just on a few episodes ago to talk about Weird Church and all the ways she helped, she's helping people get connected in the nerd, geek, gamer world. It was so much fun um, to, for, for the five of us to be together. Um, I know, and I know it was a nightmare, Brandon, for you to edit, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, we're, we're stepping up to the plate, man. We're stepping up yeah. to the challenges here in Accidental Tomatoes world. Uh, so everyone... Um, please join me in, in giving a really warm Accidental Tomatoes welcome to our team now of Brandon, Jenny, Brad, and Heather. It is us, it is humanity being saved from the corrupted systems and structures in society uh, that dehumanize and devalue and, and, and crush the image of God within us. You better preach that, man. My gosh. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. And uh, I've been promising uh, you listeners for a long time that there were some interesting things um, happening in Accidental Tomatoes world, that we had some plans uh, that we've been working on. And this is the episode where we're finally ready to sort of let that out into the world. Uh, And so... We've got we've got multiple voices, uh, multiple guests on today's podcast, and you're going to hear a little bit more about why here in just a minute. Um, the the first person I want to introduce though is um, the the new co-host of Accidental Tomatoes, uh, Brandon Wood. So Brandon, welcome to uh, to co-host gig number one. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I feel like I need some intro music, like a cool yeah. drum beat, like a boom, boom, you know. 
I, you know, I, I mean, I, you're you're a musician and sound editor. You can like invent that if you want. And, yeah, and yeah. we should probably like have like a fog machine, like fog noise coming out. You know that oh, way. I'm all about yeah, it. Well, yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, all the <laughs> special. So- yeah, yeah. So, Brandon, hey man, welcome. I'm excited. Yeah, so glad to have you on board with this. And so, the the other folks I want to introduce to to the listeners, um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you are already familiar with all of these folks um, because they have previously been guests on the podcast. Uh, and so, we've got uh, Jenny Williams, um, we've got Brad Davis, and we've got Heather Moore. And um, so as Brandon is coming on as, as the podcast co-host, um, Jenny, Brad, and Heather are also going to be doing some other work on the content creation end for the Accidental Tomatoes website and blog. And so we're all just here today to just kind of talk about some of the kinds of things that we're going to be working on and um, how we want to connect with the Accidental Tomatoes community. So welcome, friends. I'm, I'm so glad to have all of you together on the podcast. There, for for the listeners who can't see our video, there's a lot of silent clapping now going on. <laughs> it's it everyone's af- yeah, everyone's afraid to not go first and then have that awkward uh uh you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had we did have some brief conversation when we were getting ready about making the video recording of this um available to our Patreon. Um, folks, but we decided that was really not going to be a good idea. <laughs> so, um, Patreon oh, uh, supporters, that's... yeah, we'll we'll find something for you guys out of this. Um, but it's not going to be video. <laughs> that's that's good. I, I missed that combo, and I should I go put clothes on? No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Good. All right. Just <laughs> full disclosure. Um, Brandon is wearing his uh, Mighty Ducks. Um, Kit because that, in real time the day that we're the day that we it's, are um, it's just the jersey yeah 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 it's, it's like a kilt yeah you don't have to wear anything under it right <laughs> <laughs> oh this we're going off the rails already we're going off the rails already but this is the day that that the the new Mighty Duck series premieres on Disney Plus so Brandon is black, black, uh, expressing black. his yeah. his fandom and uh, we're all not sponsored <laughs> yeah. So, so Brandon, why don't, why don't you and I start off real quick? Um, and let's just talk for a a quick minute about, um, some of the things that that we see evolving on the podcast side. And then I want to really quickly bring, um, Jenny and Brad and Heather in, um, to talk about some of the other content that, that we're going to be working on here. Sounds great. So, um, so yeah. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit about, uh, I mean, the folks who who may have heard the episode that you were with us earlier um, will know a little bit of your story. But but what brings you um, to to this place of uh, of jumping on board the Accidental Tomatoes team? The a, are we allowed to start calling it the A team yet? Is that A team, baby? <laughs> also not sponsored. Also not sponsored. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to get some gold chains, or I guess who'd be Mister T? Mister T's in the A team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well then, I I claim Mr. T. I'm gonna get some gold chains. Whenever we do zooms, I'll I'll wear the gold chains. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, I uh, you know, Joe, Joe and I we talked. Um, and again, this is if you listen to the podcast and it's a um, rehashing of it, but we're we were pretty much doing the same thing. Um, and the idea came about: what if we join forces? And um, it's it's a lot of work to get an episode, uh, every other week. Um, 
when you're doing it by yourself. And uh, I, we both kind of felt like we, we could really uh, further our efforts um, and uh, in talking about this. And, and most of my previous episodes on the podcast uh, or my podcast are about deconstruction not so much about reconstruction, though there is little bit elements of it. And uh, I just love the idea of furthering the conversation, but also like for those that are starting deconstruction or in the throes of deconstruction, having a, a place for them to not feel alone. But then also those that are starting to rebuild their lives, like, again, not feel alone, but what does that look like? And there's so much more to faith than just deconstruction. Um, you know, what does it look like to rebuild? And I know a lot of people um, that I track with in life are in that like one foot in deconstruction, one foot in reconstruction. And, and what does that look like? And, you know, you know, is it um, how do they go about rebuilding their lives? So I just love this idea of joining forces and keeping the conversation going um, and then looking at this beautiful life that is reconstruction and um, you know, social justice and uh, faith and and being connected to the divine, all this, you know, this this territory that on my podcast, I really didn't get the chance to go in because it was it was purely focused on my own deconstruction. Yeah, yeah. And you 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 know, you you had so many folks come on and just tell you their stories, right? Of of their their journeys into deconstruction, through deconstruction and some of that. And and we're gonna continue to do um, a lot of that kind of work. Um, one of the things that's come up recently, and one of the reasons that this team has kind of uh, come together is we're starting to realize the more we talk about deconstruction specifically, um, it, it's hard. It's really hard for me anyhow to separate deconstruction from issues of justice, right? I, I think most of us who go through, I can't speak for everyone, but I think most of us who go through some kind of deconstruction Somewhere in that is a notion that that we need to be seeking justice in better ways a, a lot of times than like specifically our institutions do it right and and we seem to be motivated um, a, a lot of people in deconstruction not just us gathered on this podcast but um, a lot of a lot of deconstruction seems to be motivated by a a quest for a more just society, um, whatever that looks like. And so that's why one of the reasons I'm really excited to have um, Jenny and Brad and Heather to, to join the team uh, primarily as writers, um, but, but also doing some other content creation and curation um, because all of you three in, in your own ways are deeply involved in, in some really specific kinds of justice work. Um, and it looks different for everybody. Um, but that's, I think, you know, having that kind of diversity um, is going to be really helpful for for our community. So, Jenny, let me <laughs> excuse me. Let me start with you. Um, first of all, thanks for for joining the the team here, um, Jenny. Jenny's been on this journey with me since it was first conceived on a road trip home from Wild Goose Festival in July 2019. Um, we had you and me and my daughter Amanda had that extended windshield time where <laughs> where crazy <laughs> ideas could. Um, come and go and, and get kicked around. So, um, so thanks, thanks for, for being part of this whole thing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like some of the justice issues that you're like specifically involved with, and then like some of the kinds of themes and ideas broadly that you're thinking about exploring in the work you're going to do, um, for accidental tomatoes. 
Sure. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, it was like a, a potent six hours home from the wild goose. So like you dare not be in that vehicle unless you needed to be embroiled in some serious discussion. So yeah. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Um, so also not sponsored by Wild Goose Festival, but you should check it out. Uh, it's pretty amazing place. Maybe in um, the future. So, what, what's that? Maybe in the future. Yeah, <laughs> I can dream. I'll, I'll be making some calls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm really glad to be here and working um, with Accidental Tomatoes, but also working with this group of people who are incredible. Um, and I'm going to start by answering a question you didn't ask, uh, just in case someone d does not listen to every single episode of this podcast. I'll just say a little bit about who I am. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm uh, an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. Um, I grew up in Southern California, so uh, born and raised there, like deep roots there, um, fifth generation Californian, third generation uh, Los Angelino, which is not typical um, for that area. Most everybody comes there to do something with their life or feel a certain way. And um, so, yeah, we, we are really from there. Uh, as far as white people are concerned, as far as people who, you know, descended from colonizers, yeah. um, were, were from there. Um, so yeah, so I grew up there, went to college there, went to seminary in North Carolina, lived there for seven years, met my husband there. And, um, when you marry a West Virginian, you marry the state. So, uh, I've made the rest of my life here in Appalachia, which has been wonderful, absolutely joyous. So, um, so yeah, so I'm probably the one in the group who hasn't really gone through a faith deconstruction per se, uh, because of where I was reared. So, um, justice was always pretty well woven into Methodism there on the West coast. Um, so, so I think probably where my parallel is, is that I've been going through kind of a vocational and ecclesiological deconstruction. So ecclesiological, just meaning as pertaining to the church and the shape of the church and existence of the church. Um, and, and I would also date that back to the Wild Goose Festival in summer 2019. Um, so almost two years ago now, uh, just to be generating a lot of thought, thinking about a lot of new things. And um as I've been doing that, I feel like I'm really returning to my roots, which is so strange to be in the middle of Appalachia where rootedness is really important. Yeah. Um, and then to also, so I put down roots here, but also, you know, returning to the ones that, um, that, that I came up in. So, um, so the, the work that I've been involved in has been primarily around the Fairness Act in West Virginia, a piece of, legislature, a piece of legislation um, before our state ensuring um, civil and human rights to queer people as a protected class of people in West Virginia. That's uh, heretofore been unsuccessful. That has not um, passed. And we continue just to try to help people see the humanity of LGBTQ plus people. Um, and over the last year, uh, in the wake of the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I joined our local NAACP branch, um, and that's kind of prompted me to be active in my local community in a number of ways. And uh, it's a really humbling experience to be part of that group because the leaders of that group, um, black and white, are so 
phenomenal. Just, I mean, it's just an incredible group of people to be around. So, um, and be in the midst of. So um, I would say probably uh, trying to do anti-racism work in my own life and um, queer justice in Appalachia um, are the two things that are my passions and really looking to connect the church um, with those components of life in Appalachia um, because it's easy to stay separate and um, the church really, really needs to proclaim its prophetic witness in speaking into issues of injustice, uh, where we have been silent and complicit in some cases and um, actively hateful um, in other pockets of, um, of people who call themselves Christ followers. So um, those are those are where the intersection of those things, those particular concerns for those particular communities of people and how the church speaks into that and acts and walks in solidarity, um, not just offering charity. Mm, yeah, that's good stuff. All right. I, I love how you define ecclesiological deconstruction. Um, and then you, th that last bit you talked about, I think really spoke to that. I, I think, I think what a lot of people would call spiritual deconstruction might more accurately be ecclesiological because it's not necessarily in every way, like a, a faith in God, whatever terminology we want to use for God. Uh, it, it may not be rejecting or dismantling that belief, but it certainly is dismantling the expressions of it in organized slash institutional settings. Right. And so, um, I, I think, I think a lot of folks who, who would say that they're in deconstruction are, are really trying hard to hold on to, um, Jesus, you know, if it's Christian deconstruction, <clears throat> but are just done with the institution, right? They just can't, um, continue to, to be part of the, the injustices that have just been perpetrated there for too long, um, e either toward individuals or toward groups of people, or, you know, and, and especially marginalized communities, right? Yeah. And it, it, one of the things that makes me so sad um, to hear in the stories of people going through a deconstruction of their faith, uh, I mean, the trauma that's been inflicted on people is, is the worst part. And as a faith leader, the part where church becomes um, a trigger word or a, a, a dirty word almost. And I, the part that makes me sad about that is that particularly for people who are deconstructing from non-denominational traditions, um, church is very localized and autonomous. Whereas for us who are part of denominations um, and have undergone, uh, for most people who've undergone um, um, Christian training in a seminary that looks at church history and the long history of the church, the 2000 year history of the church, you know, the big C church is so much bigger than any um, little C church, our individual faith communities. And so to have that word um, represent damage and harm uh, just, it just breaks my heart because I know I've seen the church at its best and it's beautiful. So it's the beloved community. And, um, I hate that that it takes people a while to overcome what they've been told church is um, to be able to emerge into the larger church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of like that's 
sort of the, the root of the mission. If, if we accidental tomatoes has no mission statement, I, I eschew all things corporate. <laughs> but, Hashtag Joe Webb. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, that's it though. It's, it's like, how do we, um, how do we be these people who are trying to follow the way of Jesus without inflicting some of that institutional trauma um, that we tend to do, which, which actually is a nice segue um, to introduce you all again uh, to Brad Davis, um, who is the, the champion of Southern West Virginia Coalfield Justice, um, the Holler Gospel, the New Society. Uh, you get to talk about all of that stuff, Brad. So welcome to the team and, and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. Glad to be here. Glad to be among uh, these brilliant minds uh, here today and brilliant colleagues. Um, glad to be here. Yeah, well, always glad to have. And and, and it's just you and I have developed a, a really good friendship, and and I'm so excited uh, that we're going to get to work together more closely. So so why don't you talk a little bit about like what what are the things that are are motivating and inspiring you um, to, to create some content for our community. Cool. Uh, well, for those of you that, that don't know me, I'm uh, Reverend Brad Davis. And I'm a pastor, uh, United Methodist clergy, a provisional elder uh, in the West Virginia Conference, serving in the Southern West Virginia coal fields uh, in central Appalachia, of which I'm a native. Uh, I was born and raised uh, right here in the coal fields. Uh, so there, therefore, I have a very, very um, uh, particular uh, bent for for uh, justice in this area. I find it interesting that, that we are uh, talking about uh, deconstruction and, and rebuilding and reclamation in a spiritual sense, because there there is a uh, here in this area. I think there is a juxtaposition between that and the the very intentional deconstruction and dismantling of this culture here mm, yeah. um, that 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 began over a century ago uh, with the dispossession of the people and the the disinheriting of the people here, my people here. Um, so so yeah, so uh, so the the basic question, uh, that I'm asking uh, is where is God uh, at play in that deconstruction and how does the church uh, as God's proxy here in the coal fields work at reconstructing this region uh, and, and um, rebuilding something new, a new society uh, here in the coal fields. Very, very cool. So when you were, when you were on the podcast before we talked about the holler gospel, so yeah. let, let's unpack that just real briefly for anyone who might've missed that or, or has forgotten about what that is. But then I also want to hear about this other kind of new thing you're getting started that you just referenced the new society. Yeah. Uh, so, so the holler gospel is, is really just a, the, the good news of God contextualized to the cold field. Uh, and we know that, that and a kick-ass hashtag, by the way. Can I just say? <laughs> thank you? So, you know, any movement of God comes from below. That that we find that all throughout the biblical witness of of God's movement in history. 
is when God moves, it comes from below. It comes from the low places. Uh, so a, a holler, for those of you that don't know what a holler is, is, is a, a really a hollowed out uh, section, uh, space between uh, two narrow, it's a narrow space between two hills. Uh, and it is a deep depression that has been hollowed out, carved out, and it is the lowest place uh, in between those two hills. And many of us that live here in Southern West Virginia live in the hollers. So we literally live in the low places. Uh, and we literally, it, metaphorically and, and, and literally in a lot of senses have been hollowed out as a people and have been laid low uh, by what has occurred, the, the corporate colonization uh, of, of this region and the, the, the industrial enslavement to the, the corporate imperialism uh, th that has gone on here and continues to go on here. Um, our land, our mountains have been hollowed out uh, from, from the inside out. Uh, so, uh, but, but the biblical witness tells us that God lifts up the lowly, that God raises up those in the low places. Uh, so that is in essence, uh, that, that, that's the essence of the holler gospel. Uh, it, is, it is a gospel of the lifting up of a dispossessed, disinherited people uh, and that is good news, mm. the good news of God for this region. I, I wish our listeners could just get a quick snapshot of this Zoom call and see Heather Moore's facial reactions to everything you just said, because she is feeling it. You got like spirit hands and I'm like the waspiest <laughs> waspy here. <laughs> so, yeah, so so it's just it, it's it is really about um, the liberation of a people. Uh, spiritually, not only spiritually, but it is very much a spiritual liberation, but also a social liberation, a political liberation. Yeah. Uh, every aspect of life liberation. Uh, because the gospel, the good news of God, uh, brings together every aspect of life. It is a holistic salvation, a communal salvation, and, and which leads to the, this, uh, the new society, what Jenny was talking about earlier, the beloved community. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. So, Brad, I, I thought of you last night, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but again, for folks who didn't get to hear your episode or haven't uh, read some things you've written, one of the things that I like that you articulate is uh, the company gospel mm -hmm. and the company church. And so I was wondering if you could just talk about that a little bit. It's so powerful. And then I'll tell you why I, why I thought of you um, when I heard something yesterday. Yeah, so and, and it, it plays into this whole deconstruction and reconstruction narrative, right? So, so again, uh, well over a century ago, when when coal companies came in here and basically colonized us um, and, and set up these company towns and and these coal camps, um, not only did they bring in 
company stores and force you to to shop from only from the company where your whole life was was run by the company including your spiritual life because the the company built the church and the company brought in their own pastor to pastor the church and the pastor preaching in the church every Sunday was preaching very much a company gospel, an opiate of the masses, um, a, a gospel meant to uh, keep folks in line, accept your lot in life because it's God ordained. Um, so, so yeah, that, that is what the company gospel is, which is um, uh, the, the direct antithesis of what the holler gospel is. And really, the, the the and I'm glad Jenny asked that question. I'm glad you asked that, Jenny, because um, the holler gospel is really just a new ideation, a continuation of what was known as the organized church. Uh, the, the organized church emerged from the, the refugee tent colonies during the labor struggle here. Uh, when when the, the the striking miners would be put out of their homes, they and their families, by the company, um, and they would gather in tent communities at refugee camps, and in these tent communities, this new um, th- th- this new gospel began to be preached. Uh, this gospel of liberation, uh, this this uh, very much not unlike um, the, the hush harbors of ant- the antebellum South, uh, where you, ha- you have minor preachers, uh, not professional clergy, uh, leading, beginning to lead this, this grassroots from below movement uh, that, that is, again, uh, preaching very much a different gospel than the company gospel. It is a gospel that says, no, you are a human being. You are somebody in the eyes of God. And God means for you to live into the fullness of life that God has for you. And and that is not being enslaved to the company. Sorry to interrupt the conversation, but I wanted to take just a minute to thank some of the folks that help us make the Accidental Tomatoes podcast happen through our Patreon giving platform. For as little as $2 a month, you can be part of a growing group of people who are committed to helping create and curate all the great content for the Accidental Tomatoes community. We're grateful for the contributions of all of our patrons, and I'd like to recognize our master gardener-level contributors, Jen and Harry Morgan, and Kevin and Heather Malcolm. To learn more about how you can support this podcast and the community we're creating, just go to patreon.com slash accidentaltomatoes. You can also support our work by simply leaving us a rating and review on your favorite streaming app. That helps other folks find our community and participate in the conversation. And now, back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Brad. So I I thought of you last night. I was in a conversation with a number of people who were looking at legislation in this particular legislative session in West Virginia that um, has just been so discriminatory and hateful. And um, again, if you could see this, everyone's uh, nodding their heads on this Zoom. It's just been a terrible, terrible session. And um, one of the, the folks talking last night 
I wish I could remember who it was because I'd like to give them credit, but talked about the outside interests that come into West Virginia and, um, you know, radically extract all sorts of resources from our earth and continue to oppress our people. And, um, and they were ta talking about how there's a, a bill about student trans athletes and you can imagine where where that goes um and it passed um to you know ban trans athletes from playing on the teams of the gender with which they identify and and someone said you know it's just a continuation of um of the coal barons they said every few years the coal barons intentionally find new ways to mix it up and keep us against each other yeah. so you know in a state that doesn't have clean water um, we're spending time passing bills to ban children um, from playing sports and you know, I, I think sports teach kids a lot of good things, but but it doesn't rival clean water, <laughs> um, you know. So that that um, those outside interests and that top down ownership of people just continues to to pit um, pit the people who live in the low places against each other. Yeah, yeah. The 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 extraction. Um the, the corporate extraction forces, uh, powers and, and, and principalities, let's just put it in that, uh, frame it that way, um, that they have, they have extracted more than just our natural resources. You know, they, they have extracted our humanity as well and, and, and continue to do so, uh, which is why I think that the time is right for a theocentric movement uh, revolution to take place here uh, that, that, that sings a different song uh, and looks towards a new day. Here. Brad Davis is the Oscar Romero of the Coalfields. I'm telling you what, folks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Heather, you want to follow that? <laughs> no, I don't want to follow any of this. <laughs> I'm like, great. Why couldn't I have gone first? Because then, like, you know, whatever. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I was very random in my selection of the order. <laughs> so it's I, fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but welcome. I'm so I'm so excited. You, so you, we've been friends for a few years too, and um, we're Heather and I are like the snarky kids in the back of the classroom that um, are blowing up the chat of every Zoom meeting we're in with all of the inappropriate <laughs> observations and comments. And, um, but it, so Heather, you, you've, you're the most recent uh, of our group to have uh, been a guest on the podcast. And we were talking about nerd culture and um, what, what was the term we used? Um, weird church. Uh, weird church. Weird church. Yeah. I, I started to use messy because somebody posted something about the book messy church the other day, but I mean, I it's like, not, not that. Yeah. Weird church is not, not messy for sure. But yeah. So, um, so what kinds of things are you dreaming about, um, bringing alive in our community? Oh man, I have lots of dreams, but, uh, yeah, I think some of the things that I'm, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, I, we'll put it in terms of like passions um, because I think that's probably more fruitful for right now. Um, some of the things I'm really passionate about are one deconstructing the church. And, and I mean, explicitly in terms of like the church structure, the church people, the social conventions, um, the 
common language that we use just sort of like I don't mean to throw the baby out with the bathwater there, but like using better terminology to be more authentic and more human with each other. I think that's a really important thing that you know, we talked about on the podcast. Um, but I think ways of being more human with each other are by caring about one another in terms of uh, their bodies. And so a lot of like body justice and a lot of um, disability justice, um, as somebody with a lot of chronic health stuff, um, finding ways to be the church that's not discriminatory um, is really important because I see a lot of churches that are inaccessible. A lot of the, the ways that we do church um, verbally without any kind of um, other language, without anything other than you know using our, our voices, that's um, quite discriminatory, actually. And so um, thinking about the ways that, like, we could just be human beings together and, like, experience the vast breadth of what it means to be human together in terms of uh, racial justice, sexual justice, um, taking care of one another in community, I find that to be really important. Um, that's, you know, it, it wraps up so nicely with economic justice, the the justice of the land thinking about um as as brad was talking about like the the i hate to use this word because it's so harsh but it's exactly that the raping of the land um for financial gain for the capitalist society that has absolutely no shits to give about the people who are here and um you know as a, a native West Virginian, um, I didn't know that I grew up with so much of that, but seeing the the toxic um, bits that go into our drinking water and seeing the putrid, bright aquamarine water that should be a natural blue, that's, that's not the way that we should be in relationship with our fellow creation. And I say creation there as in like, not just human centric, but uh, the land, the other creatures, because, you know, I'm an animal lover, and I know absolutely that our um, footprint on this earth has decimated um, populations, and um, yeah, there's just so much justice that needs us to deconstruct uh, what it is that we're doing now, and to, to look at it with a critical lens, right? Like, the, the idea that um, part of it is a growing awareness, and you know, I'm, I'm still unfolding in that process as well, but, you know, there's some things that I miss and I hope that um, we as humans learn to do better and um, care for one another in the process. So I know that that was really broad, but like, I think it hits all the stripes there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, one of the things that, I, that really excites me about um, your contributions to this team is I think you have a really unique insight into how we as humans embody those kind of ecological, environmental, um, kind of destructive things that, that you and Brad have been talking about. Like what, what physical effects do those kinds of things have on us as, as the, you know, for instance, you know, just to kind of extend the metaphor, like as, as the land is being raped and destroyed, what is that also doing to our our human bodies and spirits, right? 
Yeah, no, I think uh, there's a lot to be said. Um, and this is not explicitly an, an Appalachian narrative, but it it's definitely that also. Um, the idea that we are continuously uh, using, and uh, for Christians, there's a lot of like biblical uh, interpretation that says that we are stewards, but they treat it less like stewards and more as than we are conquerors. And um, that has serious uh, <laughs> ecological, um, the financial, um, just a, a ton of distribution across both the earth and um, our fellow human beings, our, our beloved pets, right? Like the fact that um, so many people are, are damaging creatures just outside their doors because, well, we don't want them here. Um, and I'm thinking pests, right? In our gardens even. So um, that's really, I, I didn't mean to go off on those tangents. Yeah, no, it's cool. Ha have you met me? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to roll Brandon back in here at this point too, because um, as as you all have all sort of been telling your stories and talking about the, the kinds of things that, that you're going to be focusing your content around, I, I just kind of keep going back to these deconstruction stories, Brandon. I don't know about you, but how all of this kind of relates uh, into that. Um, so, do, what kind of what kinds of thoughts does that spark for you? Yeah, I think uh, I think what we're seeing um, a little bit of is not just the, the people that are talking, but like what I see in my generation and the younger below me is that people are just fed up with what church is. Um, and there's a lot of, there's like a big, big wave of people moving towards social justice, um, and faith being interpreted or, um, manifested in doing good for the neighbor, uh, the land, that kind of stuff. So I think it's a, a common theme that we're seeing. Um, and personally, I hope the tide with that movement does, uh, revamp the church a little bit and take it back to its roots but yeah i mean and i love what jenny said um i was having a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about the word deconstruction and i was sharing my story and it, it, like we quickly had this moment where wow there's different deconstructions like i like jenny said vocational and ecclesiastical um you know joe you say religious uh or spiritual like i like that there's, there's a, you can have deconstruction in a lot of phases of life. Um, and I don't know, in some way that's kind of like inspiring to hear someone say they went through a vocational deconstruction, but still have their, their faith is still intact, but vocational for me, it was like the whole gambit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I went through vocational cause I was on route to be a pastor. Well, I mean, I was a pastor in a different denomination. Then I was in the candidacy process for UMC. But for me, it was like a hard pillow to swallow that I'm not going to do that or not going to do what I thought I was going to do and, and the, the picture that I thought I was going to be, um, you know, but then there's ecclesiastical and there's spiritual. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's cool to hear everyone in the group talk because we all kind of have maybe some overlap, but then we all have like our own little, you know, deconstruction process that we can all learn from. But then there's those threads that we can all be like, yep, I experienced that or I can relate to that. 
You know, Joe, I just sit here. I, I'm like so freaking excited to be with this group of people like this. You know, when we get together for conversation, it's always awesome. But I just so thrilled like you're like you're talking about, Brandon, the overlap, how these things are all interrelated with each other. Um, it, I, I love you all, man. <laughs> oh, did, I, I, I've been talking a lot for the last year or so about. um Part, part of my deconstruction has been deconstructing deconstruction itself also, right? Um, because Jen, Jenny's just losing it. <laughs> because of course you have. Because of course I have. Because yes. because, because for one thing, I, I'm in this deep linguistic deconstruction right now. Like I, I've been breaking down all of the language, theological language, the language of the church, the language of God. I, I really honestly, in conversations have trouble even using the word God right now. And it's not because I've stopped believing in something that we call God. I just think that the language we use for God is so limiting. Um, and, but, but all of that is to say, I, my deconstruction of deconstruction is to see that it is yeah. not by any means a linear process. You don't start at one point and then go through a thing and then end up at another point. And so I've, I've started to, to nibble around at the edges of this thing called spiral dynamics, um, which is, it's a philosophy, essentially a, a philosophical branch, I guess, uh, of, of how we look at human um, behavior. And I, I think I, I can really see deconstruction in those terms of like, it's, it's not exactly cyclical because that also implies kind of a closed movement, but this notion of a spiral that you kind of go through similar spaces as you wind around the spiral, but they're at different levels, right? It's so it becomes more of a 3d model. Um, but there's always something new to deconstruct too, right? You, 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 you deconstruct one thing, you know, you deconstruct vocationally, and then you realize, oh, if my vocation is tied up with this institution, then I also have to deconstruct ecclesiologically, right? I have to go through that. And, and one always leads to another. So I've Jenny's heard me say this a bunch of times. I think the rest of you have too. Like I I see I I experience waves of deconstruction. Like I and I find that to be a really helpful metaphor. Like a wave comes in and I deal with that wave. And then for a while that wave goes out and things seem to be calm, and then another wave comes in, but I'm able to use then what I learned from the last wave to deal with the next wave. And to me, a deeper conversation about deconstruction in general is really helpful. And I hope that's what listeners to the podcast um, find with, with all the various guests that we have on. And we don't always talk like directly about deconstruction. Like that's not always the topic, but we always get to it in some way because I think we're constantly about that business of taking apart what what we've always been taught to believe or what our worldview is and, and trying to build something that is more true out of that. A piece I'm working on for the blog right now um, is talking about deconstruction on the road to Emmaus <laughs> and using that Emmaus road story from Luke 24 um, a, as a blueprint, maybe. Um, and by the time this podcast comes out, that blog will already be posted. But you seeing that as a blueprint for how we go from truth as we understand it to something that's more true. And it doesn't mean throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It doesn't mean rejecting everything we used to believe as, as false. It's just how do we build on and that there, I think that spiral dynamic model um, helps us understand some of that too. So y'all feel free to jump in 
make me stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm always going to go back to Wesley. So, you know, just bear with me here. But part of what I was hearing you say made me think of this uh, Wesleyan framework, John Wesley, um, whose theology, a lot of Methodism is based on. Um, you were talking about deconstruction not being a, a linear process. And I was just thinking of his uh, way of salvation. And uh, so bear with me on that word there for a second. Um, salvation. My, my linguistic de deconstruction mind just went. <laughs> I know. That's what, that's what it's called in, in theology. So just, just hang yeah, with I know, me. I know. I know that word can kind of give you the like heebie-jeebies. messy. Um, but, you know, if you think about salvation as wholeness. Okay. So yeah. let's. Let's just go there, um, you know, Great. and <laughs> and uh, there's um, I don't know what scholar imposed this on Wesley's thought, but Wesley talked about you know three steps: repentance, um, which was uh, met with provenient grace, and then justifying grace, and then sanctifying grace. So, um, um, provenient grace. Uh, he, a scholar imposed this image of a house. Provenient grace was like the steps up onto the porch, right? God is is working in your life before you even know it. And then justifying grace is the doorway. So this is like pardon, okay? And then sanctifying grace is living in the house. So whereas a lot of faith traditions um, put all the emphasis on that doorway, like air quotes, being saved, right? This justification right relationship with God, where Wesleyan theology goes is you spend all your time in the house. I mean, you hang out on the porch and in the doorway sometimes, but it's sanctifying grace that's really an emphasis of Wesleyan theology. This is um, sanctifying mean being in partnership with God um, and being made holy through this life that we live with God. Okay, so it seems like it's this linear progression of grace, that there's this provenient grace, the justifying grace, and the sanctifying grace. When Wesley resisted that linear um, model and said, no, you're like going in and out of the house all the time, right? So you don't just like walk into the house and then you live there for the rest of your life. This is a life in which we're experiencing these different kinds of grace at all times. So it's pretty fascinating to think about deconstruction as the nonlinear process. When you put it side by side with God's grace, the unmerited love of God, right? Unmerited, unearned love of God, which is also not a linear process that we go through in relationship with God. So that just caught my ear. Um, life is so much less linear than we were led to believe in the Enlightenment. <laughs> um, so yeah, that just caught my ear, those nonlinear processes. I think about it in terms of like um, uh, a lot of my background, I've done some work with uh, grief and trauma and in those uh, spaces and in those experiences of the world, there's no clear progression, right? Sometimes you think you've like done a lot of the whole like hard soul gut wrenching work and then you find yourself back into a space with a different mind frame, but your body is still processing that trauma. And so um, the way in which uh, in, in West Virginia specifically, when you travel and you go other places for schooling or whatever, and you come back to a place that is home, you have changed, but home may have not changed in your mind. Um, and, and yeah, it does change, but um, I think there's some differences in the way that we're shaping and our practices, right? If we can uh, deconstruct our practices as well, the things that we are, are 
doing and being and how we exert in the world, um, those sometimes it takes outside um, people to help form us in that way. So it's nonlinear. It's kind of like a spider web of constantly pulling different threads together to see what um, where we are right now. That's so sorry. Good. That was a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. That's so. I, I like. I'm just trying to. I was think just getting of, preaching here. <laughs> I, my my struggle is always, as you all know, is to limit the conversation and not chase every attractive rabbit trail. <laughs> but, but they're um, cute rabbits. They are. They're so adorable. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about like in all of this conversation, it's making me think about how often the 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 institutional church. And when I use that term, I, I always feel like I need to give the caveat. Like I'm painting with really broad strokes when I use that term. There are some places that do all of this really well, and I don't want to throw any of them under the bus. But in, in really general terms, the church of the last century or so, at least, has tried to sell this linear progression of of faith, I guess, you know, for, for lack of a better term, right? That you you start off, you know, you start off as a sinner and then you're saved by your confession of trust in God's grace. And then you go to heaven when you die. And it's just this straight line from point A to point B. And it, and I think one of the reasons that so many people are becoming disenfranchised from that is that it does not account for the reality of life on planet earth. Right. <laughs> There ain't there's no, also, there's there's no there agency. curves in the Roman road, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Brandon, Brandon, did that. you have a did you have a trauma response? That. Did you have a trauma response to the term Roman road right there just now? And, and salvation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh I actually had a family member uh call me and uh they heard uh, uh an interview I did and um they went down the Romans road and I'll, in my head, I was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, Yikes. I was waiting, I was waiting for the, uh, you know, now you, you need this. Like there, there was no altar call moment or no like invitation, but I was like, Oh, I was just, and they went through all the verses too. And I was just like shaking uh, while they so, were talking. So briefly <laughs> unpack what the Roman road is for listeners that might not uh, be familiar with that term. Brad, you want to take that? No, you go, go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do it while I shake it. I don't now here here's the bad Christian of me. I don't actually know the specific verses, so That's you guys fine. can correct me on it. But it's it's the verses that people use to lead you in a in a salvation. Um it's like five verses, right? And first one is you're a sinner, second one, you know, you need you need Jesus to cover your sins and blah 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 blah. And it's the way that they the church I grew up in, it's the way that they equip you to evangelize your neighbor or your family member by saying, here's five verses. I think it's five. Uh, Memorize these and then bring up in conversation. And that if you take a person on this road, these five verses, by the end, they will see their sin and come to Christ. It's that. that (laughs) So gross. And, yeah, and, I'm they, gonna and, and, they, and they are saved and that's the end of the story. And it's, and that's the other thing, like yeah. it, that we, we assume this is part of my linguistic deconstruction too. We assume definitions of words. Right. And so, you know, Brandon, from your fundamentalist evangelical background, when Jenny uses a word like salvation, 
that historically for you, I'm and I, you know, correct me if I'm Keep wrong. Baggage. I don't want to project it. Well, and it's like it means it means you go to heaven when you die. Like that's what salvation means. When when Jenny and I talk about that in a Wesleyan sense, we've got a completely different definition for what salvation means. And, and Jenny used the word wholeness, right? Yeah. That has to do with life in, in this world, right? Which it doesn't reject the concept of an afterlife or anything like that, but it's not, that's not the point, right? Whereas in your tradition, that was the whole point, right? Yeah. Well, that's one thing um, I will give a, a, a shout out to Jenny. Um, and first dialoguing with her, I think Jenny, you, I had you on the podcast or my previous podcast and then being in community together. Like I've really learned um, because my whole circle was the people that were in the same background as me are very similar backgrounds to like then talk to Jenny, who our backgrounds are like not the same. And to learn that, Oh, wow. They're like, there are different definitions to each word. And when example, when we say salvation, I mean something completely different and Jenny means something completely different. And so some of the fun part of, of deconstruction or just, you know, conversing is like learning what, that person defines that word as, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, again, salvation to me is a sinner's prayer. Uh, but the idea of wholeness, I can jump on board with that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, yeah, that's fun to me too. Yeah. Like, I'm super glad that you define this Roman road because I, I did not grow up in evangelicalism and I find all the time that there are these like knowing looks among people who are going through deconstruction about, oh yeah, wow, that was terrible. And I'm like, what is it? <laughs> I yeah, don't yeah. know. So let's just know right now for the rest of our time together ever that I'm going to ask you a question about what some, <laughs> something means or that you went through because it's just not a world that I was a part of. And, you know, to, to know you and love you, I want to understand, you know, what you went through. That's good. Um, it's always fun, Jenny, on Zoom calls to watch your response to like my background and or not just mine, but an evangelical or fundamentalist background because you're like, what? Huh? Like that's a thing? <laughs> it's just so shocking. Yeah, yeah. It that's one of the great things about I think some of this this work that we all feel drawn to, though. Um, that that we all have this desire to help people define these terms for themselves. Right. And, and in some cases, again, to kind of go back to the deconstruction, reconstruction language to find more truth, right. To find better ways to use this, this language that's always going to be limited, right. Language is only ever a metaphor for something, um, which, you know, that's, that's the, the English major in me coming out, <laughs> but, but it is like, it, it just points you to something. And, Lately, I think especially in, in recent times, we're starting to see that the fact that we don't have common definitions for terms is is really a big part of what's pulling apart the fabric of our society in some ways, right? Because we're, we're making these assumptions about what words and terms mean that, that we don't necessarily share, right, the, those definitions for. And so I feel like this forum that we have um, is a way to help people work through some of that, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it pulls the church apart too. Again, capital oh, yeah. C church, big C church, the, the difference in definitions of terms, 
of scriptural authority, what that looks like. I mean, that's a whole other podcast. What that even means. Yeah. What yeah. scriptural authority. Right. Means. Right. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. What we bring to that term or, I mean, I thought you were going to end that, that statement about, you know, it's pulling apart the, I was like, yes, it's pulling apart the church. And then you said society. And I'm like, yes, that too. <laughs> <laughs> the world is bigger so, than the church. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, I don't know. I, I could get all philosophical. Go ahead, Heather. I'm sorry. Also getting philosophical. Um, I think there's also a really important conversation about the, the language and the fact that like so many are using the language or their version of the words as weapons. And uh, the weapons are constantly at war with one another to get a particular agenda accomplished, whether that's for capitalism, whether that's for um, conservatism, liberalism, whatever you want to define, the agendas behind those words are, are weaponized. And we lose the, uh, we lose our conscious soul together, right? Our collective humanity, our, our collective uh, innate being of creation in that. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, where does all this strike you language and words and Brad's mind is always going and, and, words that come from his mouth are gold. So I'm curious to hear what, where, where you, um, what you hear in all this. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here stuck on salvation right? <laughs> and, and <laughs> literally and figuratively. Right? So, um, and, and just how we tend to uh, narrow our focus uh, on these particular words and concepts in the church when they are in fact so encompass so much more of a broader context like 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 salvation really is is not just a personal thing but but is a social uh, it, it, salvation is meant to be social uh, the, to to transform God's grace doesn't just transform the individual, but the entire social order, uh, or, or it, it's meant to. Um, that that salvation is communal. Um, so I think that that's that's one of the things that I at least try to to move the conversation towards, uh, and 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 try to move folks to a place where they can see. Uh, a different perspective on these terms that we throw out and, and, and have preconceived notions of what they mean. Uh, salvation being key among them, that, that salvation is not, and I think we mentioned this earlier, um, salvation is not just an individual going to the altar and saying the sinner's prayer and, and inviting Christ into your heart and voila, you are saved. But, but salvation is uh, an ongoing process of the restoration of creation into its original, uh, the, the originality that God made it to be, um, its original being. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's just where I was in the midst of listening to you all talking and discussing these these terms. Uh, I, I know for me, everything changed for me uh, when I was I was reading something from a, a Korean theologian while in seminary, 
that started talking about the concept that we are not just saved from our own personal sins, but society, the, the, the theology of the cross entails a salvation from the effects of sin on society. And my mind blew. Yeah. <laughs> because that really changes the whole paradigm of the, 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 the theology of the cross. And, and, and what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did in the resurrection, uh, that, that it, is, it is us, it is humanity being saved from the corrupted systems and structures in society uh, that dehumanize and devalue and, and, and crush the image of God within us. You better preach that, man. My gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I, I love how, um, where was I going with that? Um, it's, what, it's what Gustavo Gutierrez would call, he, he equates salvation with liberation. That's how he defines it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Full, salvation is full liberation. In if all you think about... Sorry, Brad. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, and I, I interrupted Joe, so you interrupt me. No, no. <laughs> I'm just thinking about, like, you know, for the the mass history of, you know, because uh, as a history nerd, but the history of the church has always been communal, uh, and we we talk about the the history of a people, right? We're literally in our foundational documents. We hear a community, a structure, a people, not a person, but American nationalism and American bootstraps and individualism uh, has bastardized this in such a way that we lose that communal um, atonement at one right? When yeah. I use the word atonement, I think of holistic at one peace connection in integrated relationships. And um, we we don't hear that in modern day Christian expressions in, in the United States, at least, at least not a whole lot that I have heard. It's always one individual pathway to salvation. Boom, there's this linear progression, no agency. Once you arrive, you're, sal- you're saved and then you die and that's you live your happy life after life, right? When I'll fly away. But it, we company lose- we lose the best bits of it, right? Like when yeah. we forget the community. I, I love how all of this illustrates that notion of of moving towards something that is more true, right? I, I think what what Brad and Heather, what you've both been talking about, really highlights that. Like we we go from you know Brad when you were talking about reading the the Korean theologian, right? You had a notion, and then something breaks that apart and you code to something that is more true. It doesn't mean you reject everything that was before, but you're, you're able to kind of pick the bits and pieces of it that continue to make sense and then build something new on it. Sorry, Jenny, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I, you know, I just, just two things. <laughs> Apparently my, my role today is to reclaim John Wesley because I was going <laughs> to say to Brad, thank you for bringing up that communal dimension because, you know, John Wesley was all about personal and social holiness yeah. informing each other that they aren't separate. And uh, so he did Wesley proud today. Um, 
but I was also thinking when you were talking about salvation and liberation that um, that the we believe that the liberating grace of God doesn't just whisk us away. And I don't mean to the the sweet hereafter, but it, it's not just a removal that that grace isn't okay. You're free. Grace is at work in the dismantling that leads to liberation, right? So it's it's not a passive um, um, receiving of God's grace. It's a partnership with God in working to dismantle those systems so that liberation can result. It, yeah, it, it's a it's a co-creating and co-missioning with God. Yeah, to to usher in to to give a glimpse of the the um the coming kingdom of god in the here and now absolutely some good eco womanist theology you got there brad yes <laughs> i was thinking i heard i heard rob bell one time describe that um that sort of what we've come to call maybe traditional or modernist american theology as um evacuation theology i've always liked that yeah. term um and, and I'm sorry. That just made me think of a bodily function, and uh, <laughs> I have to just—I mean, if the shoe fits, if the uh, no. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Words words yeah. can mean many things, <laughs> and sometimes both definitions can be true. <laughs> Maybe we should leave that at that. <laughs> sorry, Joe. Completely. No, no, no. I mean, we're. This is just such a good conversation, and. Um, and probably we're getting to the point where um, our listeners are starting to one by one um, decide they're done with it. <laughs> so, you know, it's probably time to start to wrap it up. But um, as always, when I talk to you beautiful people, I feel like I wish we were around a campfire with a, a good bottle of whiskey and uh, and all of the hours that we needed to unpack all of these really good thoughts. Um, but we're we're on this this journey together now on the accidental tomatoes team and we're going to get to explore a lot of these themes that we've talked about in the coming weeks and months and so for you listeners out there um keep an eye on our our website accidentaltomatoes.com as some of this new content starts to roll out um late spring and early summer of 2021 um we're going to be having a lot of conversations about a lot of these topics um, that it feels like we've just kind of started to to crack the surface of. So friends, thank you all so much for being uh, a part of, of this, uh, of this team, of this, this journey of, of creating content to create community. I'm really happy to, to have all of you uh, as partners in this work. Brandon, really excited about um, some of the episodes we've got coming up for the folks we're going to we're going to start doing some really interesting things on the podcast side so um yeah anybody got anything uh for the good of the cause before we wrap it up here today this is the first time y'all have been quiet for an hour this <laughs> i love it <laughs> all right well well thanks again uh to my great friends Brandon and Jenny and Brad and Heather for for joining me today on the podcast, for, for coming together on this team. And we're looking forward to creating a lot of really good stuff for our community in the future. Oh man, we, we covered so much ground uh, in, in that conversation between the five of us, but I'm so excited to have all of these amazing people coming together to bring some new voices and new perspectives to our community through the content that we're going to start rolling out here um, in the next few months. Yeah, Joe. I mean, I, I, 
I agree with you. I think everyone brings something fresh to the table and the perspective to the community is going to be invaluable. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be really interesting and hopefully something that um, our listeners and the readers of the uh, on the blog side um, can can get a lot out of. Um, as always, if you're interested in the content that we're creating and curating for the Accidental Tomatoes community, you can find us online at accidentaltomatoes.com. And across the social media world, you can find us at Accidental Tomatoes. And if you have any suggestions or ideas for future podcast topics, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us and contact us through the website, message us on social media, or send us an email at accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com. And if you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. Uh, That would help other people find us and connect with our community and participate in the conversation. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing at Accidental Tomatoes, you can donate through Patreon, where your support helps us to offset some of the expenses of producing content for our community. Just go to patreon.com slash Accidental Tomatoes to learn more. So until next time, keep on growing outside the fences and join us again for another episode of The The Accidental Accidental Tomatoes Tomatoes Podcast. Podcast.